Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagman Podcast, episode number 284. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out November 25th, 2015. The day before Thanksgiving? The day before Thanksgiving. And they're coming out on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, because you can get everything digitally. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then we followed it up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's something that I brought to the table, and uh, I'm calling it, oh, that guy from that thing. I love him. Yeah. And this is going to be showcasing some of those little bit lesser known actors that you see in all kinds of nerd shows or movies that just don't seem to get the draw of someone like an Alan Tudyk or Bruce Campbell. Because hmm. th- those are the ones that everyone kind of gravitates towards. Really? Alan Tudyk? Oh, yeah. Alan Tudyk, Nathan Fillion, like, those are two of, like, the big ones, I think. When I found out, like, at the end of Wreck-It Ralph, and I was like, it was Alan Tudyk as that voice. I was just, like, elated, like, oh, he got work. I'm so happy for him. <laughs> but he, I, he does a lot of different stuff. I mean, he was our favorite part of Transformers 3. <laughs> That's true. Still have not seen it. You should, yeah. you should actually see that one. That it was, was actually, good. It was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I think wow. I liked it better than the first one. The first one was fun. I would agree. You know, you have to. But also, like that night, we snowed it in making soup too. Like (laughs) just kind of like getting like (laughs) cabin fever. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a year since Snowmageddon, November, the snowpocalypse, the snow vortex, the polar vortex of eighty-seven inches of feet of snow. (laughs) I mean, that's back when I was in uh, Michigan, and we had gotten hit pretty bad too. But it wasn't anywhere near as bad as you guys had it. Like, I like that rough but the day that like the day that i woke up and i looked out and i couldn't see my car uh that day a year later i was walking around like in a t-shirt being like it was really nice out (laughs) it was like 60 degrees this week it's been nutty you know but you know paul you gotta get back on mic oh you know what isn't nutty this uh nice oms from uh hamburg brewery company this is an oatmeal milk stout from Hamburg Brewery, local brewery here, uh, uh, right outside of Buffalo. Yeah, it's like eight miles away from us right now. It's uh, it's delicious. Sometimes, you know, with oatmeal stouts, uh, you know, I mentioned nutty, because sometimes you get a little bit of the roasted uh, oatmeal nutty flavor. This is nice and smooth, has a rich, dark flavor to it. Really it's a little light. nutty. It's got a little nut to it. Yeah, we got a little nut. Um, uh, yeah, it's nice. If you told me... just what, What's the percentage on alcohol, by the way? 5.3, I think. 5.3, Okay. Yep. Uh, if, if you were to give this to me and I tasted it, I don't think I could go, like, stout. Mm-hmm. I might just say, if I didn't look at color, yeah. I might take, like, a nut brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's good. It's very drinkable. Um, and it's almost like it's that stout that's like a, a session. Mm-hmm. Because I could probably drink two or three of these. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't feel it, and I wouldn't feel, like, bloated and just like, oh, my God, I drank all these dark beers. Mm-hmm. Like, you could easily... Drink this and be enjoy yeah. your your time. If you find that the uh, left hand milk stout mm-hmm. or double milk stout is, is too heavy for you and you don't like it, uh, look for OMS because this is nice. It's nice and light. It says right here, very drinkable, and yeah. that's what it is. It's I, I want to I probably want to get this again. You know because if I'm looking I, for a stout, I really like the OMS. That's one of the beers that anytime I would actually go to Hamburg, I would. I would get it's a it's a solid milk stout. Uh, I th- I think I, so. I think there's always too a difference in bottle mm-hmm. to um, 
brewery because mm-hmm. you've only had it at the brewery. I've had it at the brewery. I'd say it's a good one. I think this is probably not as good as it is at the brewery, Personally, where I yep. think the Hamburg IPA tastes better in bottle than on draft. And that's mm-hmm. yeah. And if I'm at Hamburg, I'm going to go if it's this time of year. Get derailer, which is this aged in bourbon barrels. Yep. Uh, I would get uh, the house dressing. I would get the uh, IPA in front of the just the OMS. So yeah, it's good, and but still, I want to say the last time I actually had the OMS too, it was right before I moved, or maybe it was after I moved and I came back to visit. But I think it's when you came back because it was when you and I were hanging out and um, we went to Hamburg Brewery because we were trying to find the leaked Avengers uh, two. That's trail. right, yeah, from the Comic Con. <laughs> um, and I think it's definitely a beer like that's great at the brewery, but also I think the atmosphere and just the aesthetic of that place reflects on the beer when you're actually there too, because mm-hmm. it's just like that nice like dark wood ski lodge type feeling, and having a nice malty beer just feels right when you're sitting in there, especially at night. They have like the fireplaces on. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely feels like a uh, like a chalet, a a uh, ski resort. So, it's pretty good. But uh, I'm going all over the place, just rambling. Chris, you're drinking, right? I am. Um, it's getting to that time of year where we're starting to get our Christmas and winter seasonal beers. So, I grabbed one that I haven't actually seen before. And this is from Goose Island Beer Company. Um, and this is their Goose Festivity Ale. And it's touted as a caramel and dark fruit malt flavor. Um, it's not bad. Definitely drinkable. I think this is kind of a lesser version of the Southern Tier Christmas, though. Hmm. Um, it's fruity. It's dark. It's got a little bit of that nice kind of burnt sweet off of it. But drinking this made me just want to get like a Southern Tier 2Xmas. I haven't had a 2Xmas, obviously, since last year. I don't remember getting. I thought it was more spicy than dark fruit. It's a it's a little bit more spicy, but you still get like a nice like dark like deep sweetness off of it, which could be part of that spice. But I always like dark fruit in my wine. Like if I'm buying a red wine, I want it to say earthy and dark fruits. Like that's what I want. I want See, plum, I, raisin, and dirt. Man, I'm just not. That's I'm not a flavor wine profile guy. for red wines. I just had. Um, the Christmas from um, Great Lakes, and that's still like it's so nice and gingery. Chris, you were going to say something about wine, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm not a wine guy. I just I don't drink it. So when I do have it, I don't know what to look for or what to like in it. Well, and that's more like a, a fault of mine than it is to wine because I know there's people out there that are just like, oh, I don't like wine or I don't like beer, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, you. You think you don't like it, so you haven't yeah. sampled it or you haven't tried it. Because there's so much like awesome stuff out there, and I'm sure it's the same way with wine, but it's something that I really need to explore a little bit more. But if I'm out at a restaurant, I'm not going to order like a glass of wine because I I don't know where to start pretty much. Yeah, I would agree to that. I wouldn't order a glass of wine at uh, at dinner, but I have gone to like wineries and I've gone to like to. Um, like wine stores, and I walk mm-hmm. around till I look and I try to find something that, like, oh, I'll try that. And every once in a while, I'll buy a bottle of wine. 
But my dad used to live in the Finger Lakes, and we would do wine tours all the time, and I kind of hit those moments where I'm like, <laughs> okay, I like this about this wine. Mm-hmm. So now whenever I buy that kind of wine, yeah. I'm looking for that. Like, I love Chardonnays. I love that butteriness that yeah. you get from Chardonnays. The buttery pear, yep. And then I, on the complete opposite side of that spectrum, I love Malbecs. Like, I love Ooh. that earthy, red, mm-hmm. deep flavors that you get from Sweet those. too. On the Malbecs. Not always. Usually I get more more earthy tones. See, I'm like five steps removed from everything else you guys are talking about because I don't even know enough about like what uh, types that... The varietals? Yeah, like I don't know. You don't know your Pinot Grige from Pinot Noir? I recognize the names, but I wouldn't be able to try one and be like, oh, this is Um, a Chardonnay or this is a Merlot. Like I... I mean, I can easily do that with beer, but like not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, so I, I guess that's doing almost 400 episodes of a beer podcast. <laughs> of podcast. Yeah, well, wine is exactly like beer. You know, you kind of learn that. Oh, IPAs are really dry. They're hoppy. They give you their pine or citrus, and you know, so then you can kind of equate that like uh, rieslings that can be either really dry and give you. You know, uh, just apple taste. Well, or... Paul, I think you just gave me a Riesling to try some wine because I love IPAs. <laughs> there you go. And you gave me a good way to make a pun. <laughs> <laughs> there was that, too. But um, to kind of turn it back to beer, the festivity ale, not not bad, but it's just it made me want something that I like more, mm-hmm. which definitely took this down a notch. Like if I hadn't had the 2Xmas before – or even something more like um, the Mad Elf, the Bad Elf, the Badder Elf. Was that Trogues? Trogues, Mad Elf. Yeah. Like, those are like amazing Christmas beers. Like This just kind of put me in the mood for something that I haven't seen or can't get. Yeah. So fuck you, Goose Island. Well, but it's not a bad beer, so I don't fault you. That's that's the thing you should always like expect from like a Goose Island is, oh, it's going to be your kind of of middle-of-the-road, average kind of drinking beer. But we like their a little bit, I don't want to say upscale stuff, but they're like the Matilda. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's them also going for something beyond what a normal, like, that's going like one step more that they're going for. Like, they're really going for that peppered Saison, so they that's what they deliver, you know? They're going for like one step beyond just a regular beer. Um talking about beer and also to tie it into uh weekend geek which i know we're already wrapped up uh local news we didn't even uh, start the weekend geek did we no uh, <laughs> yeah we did we say, did i black out we talked did about we? what we we're gonna no, talk about this is chris's chris's beer review we were just talking <laughs> oh, about oh, to oh, you need to slow it down <laughs> <laughs> no speed it up oh uh uh as of monday he's drunk don't <laughs> as of monday uh parker's proper Fish and Chips, which is used to be known as British Chippy, which it used to be known as English Pork Pie Company, uh, is opening up their bar. Their bar. Oh, will be they open. got their license and everything. Yep, they got their license. They got uh, Boddington's on tap. They got Newcastle on tap. They got Southern Tier IPA on tap. Uh, Molson, of course, Community Beer Works, uh, Foster's, Hamburg Brewing, and a cup. I think a Sierra Nevada, uh, uh, and also some sort of cider. That's all on tap right now. 
Nice. That's not, not bad. Oh. Like, that's actually more than I would have expected when he started the story off. And also, Guinness is going to, of course, be on tap, uh, but that's coming in on Tuesday. Their rep was late with delivering oh. the tap because uh. they have to have the special Guinness tap, apparently. Uh, and to really tie our beer review into Weekend Geek, uh, how about Ballast Point being bought by Corona and uh, Mordello? Mm-hmm. beer company for one billion dollars this is something that i learned about actually because of the bag and board facebook because john you posted this and i was yeah. like what that's crazy i like ballast point i hate corona <laughs> <laughs> and i think this is when we were talking about the two other breweries that have gotten bought out or gotten shares bought out mm-hmm. laguanitas and i forget what the wait laguanitas got bought out 50 or like 49 percent okay was sold out to Heineken. We talked about oh, this yeah, on the Heineken, podcast. Right? Yeah. Basically, so Lagunitas can get all across Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had mentioned, like, beer companies are basically... Legion was bought oh, out by... Right. It was the other one, right? Was, uh, it, Anhe- was it... No, it was InBev. Yeah, InBev, InBev yeah. Which, owned, which bought out Anheuser-Busch about five years ago now. I think there's another InBev one. Is that, another of, uh, other guy Europe. got. Yeah. But anyways, this is really these companies just trying to grab hold... Of the, you know, the craft beer market, and it didn't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure. I, I don't want to like cut you off, but didn't Heineken buy someone? Yeah, Heineken, uh, uh, Lagunitas. They bought like oh, okay. forty, forty nine percent share. Not a controlling um, share. Not a controlling market share, but a sizable market yes. share. Yeah, and this is something that I think I talked about for predictions what two years ago or maybe last year, which was that uh, these smaller beer companies, since there were so many opening up that distribution is going to get harder and harder to get, so they're either going to have to uh, consolidate and become larger that way, or and I didn't think this was going to come, that these bigger beer markets, you know, beer companies are going to buy them out. Uh, but luckily, so far, what we've seen is these bigger companies are kind of holding them in as a profit portfolio. So as long as these, com- these uh, smaller beer companies... Are turning profits and staying black on the balance sheets. I don't think we have to worry. I think if there's ever a downturn in the market uh, for craft beer and these companies become less profitable, then you're going to see uh, the big brother come in and say, uh, yeah, uh, you're going to have to streamline your production. You're going to have to cut back on uh, the quality of ingredients. You're going to have to do things in order to become profitable. Well, that's what I'm afraid of. Well, now, here's, Paul, you're like you're the economist guy here. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they just take a look at that and then chalk that up as a loss, maybe? So no, because the reason they're buying out the because if you look at the market on the whole, where the big beer companies are losing market share to the craft beer companies, what they want to do add the craft beer beer companies into their portfolio, let them run as normal because they're getting it right. They're growing, so you don't want to mess with that right now. It's that if there is a bubble for this craft beer market, if we are in a bubble and uh, we see these guys start losing money, that's when you would become worried that the... They call it a charitable donation. Can yeah. they do that, Paul? No. Oh. No, because they're... Yeah. And it's part... They're, they're a for-profit company. With a lot of these times they've bought different companies, they've allowed the people who are in charge... Mm-hmm to stay in place, to keep running it the way they've been running it. Right. And 
Ballast Point was projected, their net sales projection for next year is $115 million. And they have an opportunity to grow those sales because now they're part of a larger company so they can distribute more. And they, they, they can yeah. they can piggyback. They can mm-hmm. be in the bottom corner and of they, that shelf. And that. they have about five hundred employees. So it's I mean that's big yeah. that's a big profit, you know, that's, coming in. Yeah, well that's like that's five hundred employees is huge <laughs> in a uh, in a craft beer market, you know, craft yeah. beer company. That's really a really large company. Um but what was I going to say? Well, also talking about, like, remember the documentary that was on Netflix, might still be on Netflix, uh, Beer Wars, where uh, craft beer companies have to fight for shelf space, you know, because you have those. And now if you're part of the big big company, you're no longer fighting for that beer, that big company for that shelf space at the local stores. So maybe, yeah, maybe like what Chris was saying, that piggybacking. You know, yeah. now that you got your core section, in that core section, you have one or two spots for, who knows, you know, with the craft beer if, and like, company. In my store right now, we have a small, like, it's a, it's a big wall. It's probably like a 30-foot wall. One end, it's got a whole waterfall of Sam Adams products. Mm-hmm. Craft beer, all the way towards probably about, like, Maybe a three-foot section that then is your Corona, your Mordella, your couple other... Tecate. Yeah, a couple other of those with, like, Land Shark and that stuff. Ugh! <laughs> Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth a little right? bit. But in that section where there's Corona products, mm-hmm. there is Corona, Corona Light, Corona Light in cans, Corona mm-hmm. in cans, Tall Boy Corona, 12-pack bottle of Corona, 12-pack... Can of Corona. Wait, I don't understand. With the cans, where do you put the lime so that way you don't have to taste the shitty beer that uh, is Corona? So then it doesn't <laughs> taste as much like stomach bile. I'm not sure. Uh, but I don't you know. Just buy one of those like plastic lime full of like lime juice things, and you just squirt it. In. <laughs> I'm, I'm you just <laughs> you just drink that plastic lime, and you throw out the Corona. I understand. Good call. I would Good rather call, drink the plastic lime juice. <laughs> I'd like the moment where you're going to have like. Uh, jalapeno and grapefruit Coronas now coming out because Bell's Point's part of them. Oh, I would try that, though. <laughs> I would love those moments where, like, uh, you're brewing beer, you shouldn't have clear bottles. Like, uh, that's no, a big cause... no-no for the beers. But how can you uh, see uh, the no, lime? No, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. They're selling to two different markets. You know, and that's the thing. You, you, they're going to keep those markets in play. They're going to keep Ballast Point doing their great they're, Yeah, they're going to keep Ballast Point, but then they're going to keep the people who buy Coronas and then just leave them, like, in their refrigerators or have them just sitting there for so long absorbing all that light, making the beer taste even worse. Is, yeah, what's Is Corona? this Corona bad? You know why? Because they're going back to buy Corona again. They don't care. They don't, you know. They don't know any better. You know, it's... I'm going to get Corona jalapeno. Nothing. I'm not going to do it. it oh, that just reminded me of, I don't even know what the name of it is, but like Budweiser has like the Strawberita. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Strawberita. Those things? Yeah. yeah. Do, do people actually buy those? Yes. Yeah. People love that crap. Kate loves oh, And the then there's like the Budweiser one. with Clamato. Like, that's a thing, supposedly? Well, that's been a thing for years in the Midwest. Why? Clamato is just gross on its own. People like it. People, it's like you put Budweiser drink. in it, that's just 
making a bad thing worse. This is true. That's killing puppies with orphans. <laughs> like, <laughs> why would you do that? So the orphans can eat, Chris. No, they're actually like using the orphans to bludgeon the puppies. With. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're using the puppies to bludgeon the orphans. Then they're using the puppy bones to like skin seals. I don't know. Budweiser, why would you do that? Does the orphans of have a marbirita? <laughs> they're not uh, clever. Nobody likes you. Uh, so that was some um, up a little upsetting news. This uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like it's really going to hurt Ballast Point. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, it's going to help Ballast Point because they're going to be able to get uh, yeah more into people's faces. I don't know. I don't think it's really going to hurt them at all. It's all to help Corona. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing. The parent I company. always kind of circle back to Flying Bison Brewery. That's based in Buffalo, New York, and when they partnered up with Saranac Brewing, well, it was all of, just yeah. more to benefit Saranac, but it was also going to give Flying Bison more resources to continue doing what they like to do. And they've been able to grow their brand and grow their beers out. They do that yeah. uh, secret stash stuff now. They have a barley wine out, which I kind of want to try. Secret st- yeah, from Prowling Bison. Have they finished wine. building that new brewery yet? Like yeah. The brew place it's supposed yet? to be really nice. I haven't had, I've driven by it. I haven't had a chance to go into it yet. Because, like, when I come back to Buffalo to visit, like, that's definitely something I want to check out. Yeah. Beer tour. Yeah, we can do a nice little beer tour. <laughs> we got a lot of places. We still, have, we still have to go to Rusty Nickel. I think it's pretty nice. I haven't been there yet. I walked in, you know, uh, on some. We got check out the days that they actually serve the menu because they only do the like bar menu, like snack food menu from uh, Ebenezer House, like on certain days. Yeah. Where you can order food and have it like brought to you there, which I think is good because Ebenezer House has. Yeah, their food's really. Yeah, their food's good. I like. I always like going. Even like the day that we went there for the wings, that was good. Yeah, they had good wings. Um. No, yeah. Uh, so, let's get into other new stuff. Uh, you know, we had this week premiere of uh, Jessica Jones on Netflix. Oh, um, female superhero, Jessica Jones. Yeah. yeah. And as I was explaining to someone who was asking me about it, it's a superhero that you will never see in a costume that isn't a flashback. This is someone who's going to be very street level, stay as you know a private eye, and is telling. Uh, I mean, it's telling this. Very grounded, down to earth, you know, sea level character with, you know, like a sea level villain. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. I have to say, for those first couple episodes, I'm only five episodes in, but <laughs> David Tennant is absolutely menacing in it. And in the first couple episodes, he's only there in little flashes. But the whole time, I'm like, man, he's menacing. It, <laughs> I, I finished the series last night. Um, it debuted on the 20th, so I had enough time, like, between jobs, like, uh, until last night to actually knock out all the episodes, and he gets he gets better or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. Um, and the thing that actually struck me about Jessica Jones is this show is very accessible. It's It definitely takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, they have some references to it, but it's not that kind of beat-you-over-the-head um like tongue in cheek, like it's there, but it's so on the outskirts, even more so than Daredevil. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, like, this could just be a show. They could change like the characters' names 
and have this be its own standalone thing. And it would be something that I would watch because it's that good. American Horror Story, Marvel Universe. Pretty, pretty much like it's dark. Um, instead of calling it Jessica Jones, they could have called it superhero sex scenes because there's like one per episode almost. Um, but it's, I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if I'm seeing this because I watched everything kind of in quicker succession than I did with Daredevil. Because Daredevil, I kind of had to space out over time just because I was watching it with Lexi. And then, like, I was working and I would, like, I wouldn't have a chance to watch anything for a couple days. And then I would watch an episode and that would be, like, a week before I'd watch the next one. Um, but just kind of, like, rapid firing. I, I think I like this more than Daredevil. And I don't know if it's because they learned a lot from Daredevil or just because they had a little bit more freedom to do what they wanted because she's not well, um, as well known. But Again, this is a character that you have that's not going to be in a costume. So it can just be this character from point A to point B, where with Daredevil, you have to have him every episode be in costume to do something. So he's Matt, the lawyer, Daredevil, the vigilante, Matt, the lawyer. And I think having the other people in his lives add to the story, but also keep Matt having to jump back and forth from character. You know, yeah. the, from no, that's that's true. And that and like Jessica can just interact with everyone on that face level. And that's what Caitlin in the beginning her problem with the show was. It's just Jessica Jones. There's no other characters, and it does start building, and people start coming in and out of her life, mm-hmm. where you do then get more of a human character and more of a character that cares and is doing different things, because. Um, in the beginning, she's kind of—I mean, she's a rough, she's a rough character. No, she's and like this isn't a spoiler warning. She's Even a like at the end, like episode thirteen, she's still a rough character. Like this isn't that character that's going to learn and grow like through things. Just she's got those walls up, and she's okay with just reinforcing them as the show goes on. Yeah, um, I, I will say this: the I I, I don't know his name, but. I didn't plan on talking about this um the actor that plays malcolm like the junkie that lives in her apartment yeah that that guy is like a fantastic actor and like as you go through the series like you'll see this but like he's he's great like i didn't think he was gonna be like the diamond in the rough here but like at the end of the series i was really like wow like that guy he's there um ika darville thank you uh i kind of equate him to enver Goyaz, Goyjak, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Um, he was the guy from Dollhouse, and then he was in Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. one, like, the agent. One of those just, like, background supporting characters that when you actually, like, pay attention, they're like, this guy's, like, way too good to be acting in these, like, kind of crappy shows. Well, not, uh, not, nothing against either one of those shows because I love them both, but, like, when you when you look at their performance and like what they're capable of as actors, like they could be doing so much more. Well, he's 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 done a lot of TV work. Uh, he was the Red Ranger in Power Rangers RPM. I'm sorry, I I don't recognize any Power Ranger after the and he, uh, Rangers got the Ninja Powers. <laughs> and then he was uh, in Power Rangers Samurai. Um, but he was in the Sapphires with um, um oh what's his name? I can't think of his name. From IT Crowd, Chris O'Dowd. Um, he's been in the Vampire Diaries, the Originals, 
I've heard a good thing about those shows, but I haven't. Caitlin loves the originals. Kate likes the vampire. Yeah, she was talking about when she was down here. (laughs) But I mean, he's he's been he's done a lot more TV work. But yeah, no, he's a solid actor. He plays a really good character. Um, No, I've I've really enjoyed the series. Um, I think the first day we watched three episodes. We watched one episode last night. We watched one episode today. Like we're getting through it episode by episode. Pretty much, probably in you know six seven days we'll finish the series. But I've really liked it. I've uh, I've enjoyed everything. The production value, and I think this is too with like between Daredevil and this, a lot of it takes place during the day, where mm-hmm. you know it's a darker episode with Daredevil because everything's taking place at night. Um, and that's one of the things I texted you like the day that it premiered, like. I, this made me want the Luke Cage show. Oh yeah, Luke Cage is so good in those first couple episodes, and it, it gets better. Like once you see the uh, the bar brawl. Oh yeah, like that. That made me like, all right, Luke Cage show. This this could work. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. And also, I I don't remember if we talked about this before, if it when it actually happened, but Joe Casada came out and did say that no, like Iron Fist show still still on track. Like this is still something that that they're going to be working on. Yeah, and um, and they said they'd love to keep doing stuff with uh, the Punisher. So So yeah, who knows maybe we'll get like an extra show before we get Defenders. Well, we yeah, and we're going to have cuz we got Luke Cage in production. It seems like season 2 for um Daredevil is just about done cuz they're giving us trailers for that. So, I think 2016 you're going to see what they planned on. They're going to get Daredevil season 2. Luke Cage. So, I mean, as soon as this is coming out, they're going to probably start working on uh, Iron Fist. Fingers crossed. Especially seeing how well this will do. Chris. Paul. Yes. Paul. Yes. Did anything we say at all make you feel like, okay, maybe I'll give Jessica Jones a shot? I'll give it a shot. You heard Power Rangers. I'll give it a a (laughs) one shot, you know? It's... It's a dark show. I mean, it... There's not a lot of hope to this program at all, which I, I know you kind of look for and stuff, but it's it's so well done. And David Tennant, I didn't <clears throat> talk about him before, but yeah, he's awesome as Kilgrave. Yeah. Oh, just wait, John. Just wait. Like, I, I love a good villain. We, we need those daily, like, which episode did you watch? Yeah. Text because oh, he gets so creepy. <laughs> But Paul, you haven't said anything in a little bit. Yeah, because I've been, you know, searching. You, you like stuff that's not yeah. overly dark. Oh, yeah, because, uh, you know, we're recording this the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and you know what that means. Well, Chris, I know you do because you work retail. Black Friday deals. Mm-hmm. So I'm searching online. I want to know exactly where I need to line up at 3 a.m. I never do that. Well, I hear it's not going to be as good as Prime Day was. Oh, yeah, Amazon Prime Day was great. But uh, no, I'm uh, I'm excited because uh, the Xbox One is dropping down to uh, two hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's uh, gonna with including a game, so that's a savings of fifty bucks. Um, and what, are you gonna buy did it? They say what games it's coming with or uh, what game? I don't know. It's probably gonna be a variety of bundles, all the bundles that are currently out. Okay. So um, and also, you know, GameStop has their 
thing if you're into the Disney Infinity. A bunch of deals there on Black Friday. Buy two action figures, get one free, which has already happened at Target. Yeah, it's already going on in a lot of yeah. places. Which they've uh, they put out some new Marvel characters. Hmm. Uh, you know, other than that, Blizzard is going to have a Black Friday deal on their Heroes of the Storm characters and mounts and stuff like that. So there is some good nerdy deals out there. Uh, I'm just not all that impressed with them, except for the Xbox One bundle, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, I was talking to someone at work about video games the other day, and I I just need that extra money so I can throw down for a One or a PS4. Like, I... I have that itch that I feel like I need to scratch, even though I don't play video games too much anymore. I just, I like having that system to kind of fall back on to have it and be like, oh yeah, like Battlefront's out, like I can get that and I can play that. Or John, like everything you've said about The Witcher makes oh, me Witcher so good makes me want to play that. And like they're still coming out with the DLC for that too, right? Yeah, I'm in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't like having that console safety net. Like, right now, I've hit that point where my Xbox 360 is basically just a vehicle to watch Hulu or Netflix, uh, Netflix through. My PlayStation 4 serves the same purpose, but, I like, I have The Witcher. I have some games that I've downloaded. I still need to finish the uh, redo of um, oh, That We Stand Alone, or I can't remember what it's the called. Last of Us? Last of Us. Uh, which is oh, that's cool. really good. Oh, I just remember, like, I bought, like, the second episode of the uh, Borderlands one from Telltale, and I haven't played that, or Telltale, and I haven't played that yet. No. Crap. Uh, But something um, we're getting, uh, X-Men producers say that FX's Legion is going to be the Breaking Bad of superheroes. This is the soon-to-be... FX series around, uh, focusing on Xavier's illegitimate child who has powers and who nobody likes nor remembers. Yeah, I did not like, what was his name, like David? Something like that. Something like in the comics. Yeah, I never liked any of the, the Legion stuff. Wasn't he an X-Factor, Paul? Paul went to the bathroom. Oh, He's not missing out. Nobody cares about Legion. <laughs> That's why um, I figured we should talk about this now. But, yeah, when you brought this story up in the pre-show stuff, I was just like, why? Like, do they do they feel they need to have a Breaking Bad for the X-Men universe? I think they just were trying to focus on something with a character that, that's not going to appear in movies, that won't have any tie-in, but is a character that they might be able to do something with. And they're trying to Jessica Jones it. You tell you, yeah, exactly. You tell an executive, oh, this will be Breaking Bad for the superheroes. They go, hey, people really like that Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about that at the water cooler that I walk past. I didn't seem to watch it, but I seem to produce it. Hmm. I don't uh, even know what that means. The Breaking Bad of the superhero genre. It's like it's it's the character. Like Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones right now, like the darker take, the darker street level take of the superhero. Well, this is focusing on someone who, dis- like Breaking Bad, was watching someone who starts out good mm-hmm. and has an incredible fall into evil. Okay. And you watch this guy go from so the Scarface of superhero movies. See, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't say that because Scarface started out bad. This is a guy who starts who's 
episode one finds out that he's probably going to die of cancer mm-hmm. and has nothing to leave his handicapped son and wife who's pregnant with their next child. He, when he passes away, they're not going to have anything. So he's trying to make a quick buck who then falls in love with being a bad guy and being, I guess, I wouldn't say a gang, he's not a gangster, but he's someone who just loves doing what he's doing, which is playing all the odds, being incredibly... It's really good to find your passion. Cavalier. <laughs> exactly. And, you know and what then, they say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right, but I think I think the entire series is like two years of his life, and you watch this man go from someone being stepped on to someone who is just a name that strikes fear into people. So he's living a revenge fantasy, kind of. No. he was getting, you know, he was getting stepped no, off, and then he doesn't, all of a sudden he, doesn't, he has he this power fantasy of he doesn't step evil. on anyone else. He just rises up and. Dissolves human bodies and vats of acid. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't do that. He makes Jesse Pinkman do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's why I won't watch the show. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't no, see okay. the guy, like, bubbling up and everything, like, you know, his skin melting off his face. Well, that's why I love Raiders the Lost Ark. <laughs> but those were Nazis. They were Nazis. Do your Breaking okay. Bad. I won't watch your show because you dissolve bodies in acid. Oh, Breaking Bad but is I hear... such a ripoff of Indiana Jones. <laughs> Not Indiana Jones, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Paul, if Underworld can be a ripoff of The Matrix, which was also a franchise, uh-huh. it stands. Oh, it stands. Okay. <laughs> This is that one part of Raiders. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah, you were just talking about one part of the Matrix, too. <laughs> no, the transitions of the Matrix. They did that transition a bunch of times. No transitions. And it made sense. It made sense in the Matrix because, you know, it was all about going into a virtual reality of, or coming out of a virtual reality. It, it played no part <laughs> inside, inside the theming of uh, werewolves versus vampires. Except for the fact that they were looking at a number on a computer, and then it transitioned into the number on the door. Yeah, which they didn't need to go through the computer screen like exactly like they did. But they the did because movie. it was a transition. Silly. It was a poor transition. That's all I'm saying. Like oh, they're just trying to make it more transition. How do we talk more about news? I don't know. Um, talking about you know female actresses leading roles. Uh, you know, there much you like go. in Underworld, we had uh, Kate Beckinsale. Leading the way in that movie, we have uh, a look at our new Wonder Woman, coming from the movie Wonder Woman. Gail Gabat as uh, as Wonder Woman standing in front of what looks like a uh, Big Ben in England. Uh, see, I, I looked at that more as stuff just in um, Themyscira. See, I think it's England because that is definitely. Uh, let me pull up the picture quick. Big Ben, and it's foggy because we all know about the London fog. You know, that's famous. That's the London fog right there. It does. It London, does. It does look like Big Ben and London's Big Ben, and uh, she's looking a little like Aang, the Avatar, there with her hood and her arrow uh, on okay, her forehead. Okay, it does look like Big Ben. You're right. And uh, but she has piercing eyes, and let me. T- she is a very attractive woman. That Gail Gabot. Yeah. She she is definitely Wonder. She looks like Wonder Woman. Like even in the fight scenes that we've gotten little glimpses of her in uh, Superman, Batman, Superman v Batman. 
Uh, and then here, she has a, you know, it looks good. It, this is, you know, putting another bead down on the plus side of the scale of me being excited about this movie. Uh, a lot of the stuff out of DC, I'm very nervous cinematically. This one, at least, is going in the positive plus side of my hype. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping we get actually some Wonder Woman stuff in the movie besides just, like, a couple random, like, scenes with her, like, interacting with Bruce Wayne or fighting Superman. Oh, you mean um, in uh, Superman, Batman? Yeah, in Superman, Batman. Um, I don't know. The, I, I liked seeing the picture because we haven't seen a lot of Wonder Woman stuff in the trailers for Batman and Superman just because they're really selling that movie on the fact that it's Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing that really struck me about this picture is it was also released with the cast list for the movie and we're getting professor Lupin in it too, which I didn't know. Uh, Which one is that? Uh, David Thewlis. Okay. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. We're also getting Robin Wright, Wright. uh, Danny Hudson. Paul, you strike me as someone that would love Robin Wright. Uh, I have no idea any of these names. Lucy Davis, uh, Elena Anaya, and uh, Ewan uh, Bremner. I'm going to look up, I'm going to highlight Robin Wright's name and then do Google search. Uh, She's attractive. Uh, And Patty Jenkins, director who did Monster and AMC's The Killing. So, I mean, I I think they got... I equate Robin Wright as like the female Robert Redford. Well, and she was married to Chris Penn. She was married to Chris Penn. Let me see. She was in uh, Moneyball. Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Unbreakable. She was, she was in Buttercup Unbreak- and Princess Bride, Paul. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she looks so much older now. Bra- Paul, that was like almost 30 years ago. <laughs> You're right. It was almost 30 years ago. Four years. Two years from now, it'll be. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's adorable. <laughs> I wouldn't call her adorable anymore. She Robert Redford, Paul. That's she's she's getting better with each. Uh, yeah, I just haven't. She was in Beowulf. I I haven't seen a lot of these movies. I didn't see Beowulf, honestly. You didn't miss anything. Conspirator. Uh, Congress. Yeah, I haven't seen. Basically, the only movie I've seen her in was uh, The Princess Bride. She, she was in House of Cards. She's, uh, she's in Forrest Gump too. And Unbreakable. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna watch Forrest Gump. Well, you've seen Forrest Gump. I've would, seen it, but that was I would imagine back when that I first came you out. would have watched and liked House of Cards, Paul. I probably would. I just haven't spent the time. You'd love it. I think it's political drama. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she plays Claire Underwood. She, plays she also directed first... three of the episodes. Wow. Good for her. A lot of talk about Robin Wright that we don't need. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what you, who she's going to play, though, because uh, they only announced that uh, Gal Gadot's playing Wonder Woman. And uh, Chris Pine is playing Steve Trevor. Well, she's probably going to have, uh, you know, Wonder Dylan? Woman's mother or something like that. She's going to have. Alita. She's going to be a stoic, strong woman who probably is in a leader position or is the main villain. Oh, Lucy Davis. She's from uh, the uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, she's the flatmate. Oh, nice. I like her. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, she was in. Um, she was. No, she was in. Uh, the office, the original office. Oh. So maybe she'll be one of those DEO agents or something like that, you know, and uh, that'll be fun. So, yeah, pretty fun cast so far. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, Who knows? I would, if, if with the Wonder Woman movie they're making, after reading 
Brian Ezriello's Wonder Woman. I'd love it to tie it into that kind of a oh, storyline. Yeah. Like that would make that would make the movie that would make something that it sets itself aside from the Batman Superman kind of world and it's a mm-hmm. story all her own and it could be, you know, something that involves as occur in her world. So I hope it's something close to that. I would love to see DC follow the kind of Marvel formula where each movie is a different type mm-hmm. of like archetype. You have your like your sci-fi films, your comedy, your heist movie, your political thriller. I, I would be more than elated if they kind of went the mythological like fantasy route with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Instead of trying to like shoehorn it into existing in the same realm as Man of Steel. Yeah, so you want this to be the Thor of the DC universe? I, I think so, but I think with Wonder Woman, they could definitely play more into what people know. Because with Thor, even though, I mean, Thor, Loki, Odin, it's all based off of mythology, they're basically space aliens. Like, it's still, they have that kind of wiggle room. I, I think this would be more accessible. I mean, especially, like, if you, I'm not trying to say, like, spin off of or play into or do anything else but like people like clash of the titans like people saw that movie yeah and i think that's why and i got a sequel yeah <laughs> it's getting the third one too <laughs> and i think that's why didn't they bring in one of the actors from that i have no idea uh, uh, if it wasn't robin wright i don't know yeah clash danny uh, uh hudson was from clash of the titans hmm. and x-men Origin. Oh, they're legioning it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any other news? Uh, I have some news. Cool. Um, fresh off of the uh, Kickstarter.com hashtag Bring Back Mystery Science Theater 3000 has worked. Um, if you are a fan of the Bang Broadcast, you are most likely a fan of. MST3K. It's something that I think we all have an appreciation for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, MST3K creator Joe Hodgson actually started up a Kickstarter uh, like 10 days ago, because there's still 19 days left on the Kickstarter. But he wants to bring back Mystery Science Theater 3000. He was looking for $2 million to start up again to make three new episodes. Um, the stretch goal is $5.5 million, so they can do a full season. But they've hit that initial goal, so we will be getting three brand new episodes of MST3K. And how would it be distributed? If you're a Kickstarter, would you get a download code? Um, like, yeah, it would, would be it would be all digital. Okay. Um, if you are a Kickstarter, depending on like what level of money you bought into it, you would have access to like downloadable versions of it, or like watch the stream of them like recording it. Is the end goal, like, hoping, you know, almost like uh, these video games, how they do Kickstarters now, where it's just to show support, and then hopefully they can, you know, uh, leverage that money that they raise there into getting more money from a major studio? I would imagine they're just looking to do it online. Really? I I don't don't think they From from everything that he says, because he does have, like, a pretty extensive FAQ. Yes, he um, should. Just over at Mm Kickstarter.com, or, like... Um, bring back MST3K. They, they basically, he just wants to do this and he thinks it's a good time for it. Um, now that stuff like Kickstarter exists for people to rally behind what they love. 
Um, the goal is to do a full season of it. Which is weird but, because I, I'm so, I'm just so so uh, confused because they already well the other guys you know the newer uh, crew right like yeah we would call them crew not cast uh, they do their uh, what is it called? riff tracks riff tracks and they do well, riff and tracks then live the, and they the do other half of the show that doesn't do riff tracks also has cinematic Titanic okay. uh, which is headed up by Trace Blue who worked with Joel Hodgson on those like first mm-hmm. what was it like six or seven seasons of MSG3K yeah um, it, and Kevin who, I think Kevin not Kevin Mercy uh, who's the guy who originally did Crow and Dr. Forrester that that's guy, Trace Trace oh I you, are you thinking about Kevin Murphy no I was I got those two mixed up because I was thinking of the woman who played the who took over for Forrester, Forrester. oh Mary Jo Peel because she worked with uh, Joel Hodgman and Trace, and they were doing that together. Yeah, they, and then they like the cinematic Titanic yeah. stuff. Um, which, hey, you know what? I I love MST3K, and I'm going to be kind of the the naysayer on this. I feel like this doesn't need to exist anymore, strictly because they found a way to do it better. Mm-hmm. They don't need to pay all that money to buy the movie rights to show the movie that they're riffing. They they can do basically what we do. You record your commentary, you put it up online. And they have That's it. You can charge people it. for yeah. it. You don't need to actually purchase any rights for it. So the fact that they've raised $2.4 million is it's crazy. Like That's awesome for them. It's a great amount of money, but... It's, I think it's, it, it lets them pick the movies they want to riff, not picking the movies that they think will get people to buy the track. You know what I mean? Because with Cinematic Titanic, and also, well, especially with Riff Tracks, they're doing a lot more newer movies, and I think they're doing that because, you know, it's got the mindset that you got people top of mind uh, on those movies, and honestly, a lot of new movies are very riffable. Mm-hmm. But there's probably those classic movies that they're old movie fans, you know, that's what yeah. they did. That's how they cut their teeth. That's what they, I think they really enjoy doing and them being able to go out, get the money up front. Now they can go out and do the movies they want to do and riff versus doing the movies they think are marketable. I think that's the switch. I think that's why yeah, they're doing it. And, and I understand that, but I, I do think it's those more recent, like straight oh, yeah, to DVD, like the fresh on streaming. That's what's keeping Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic relevant because it, it is like it right in the forefront. Like that movie that just came out on DVD, like you can probably find a riff for it. Um, and that's something that Joel actually does tackle in one of the FAQs is someone asked like, well, why do we need MST3K when we have <laughs> these other venues to like get a riffing from? And he thinks that everyone now has like the riffing ability and it's something that people have been doing for so long that the market can support another one. And not that MSC3K is the original, but yeah, there is always going to be space for it out there. And I think you did do a good job of kind of selling it. That's the fact that they can use us to do those movies that nobody's going to go out and buy or rent or track down to stream because 
they're doing it for you. Like it's all just enclosed in that one nice yeah. little package where you can sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you do want to watch one of those movies that they are riffing, you got to pay the money for the riff. Then you got to pay the money to rent or. It's it was nice that, they yeah. did have the thing to say, hey, this links up to Netflix. But if you are streaming Netflix and you're listening to that and you have a little bit of lag on your, you know, streaming device, then it throws everything off. Then you got to pause, then you yeah. rewind, then you got to resync everything. And syncing it is, I was always a bitch to do those riff tracks. <laughs> the, the number of, I've only done like three or four, and I haven't had a real big issue, but I was always watching it off a of DVD because, you no, know, it's like Daredevil and other things yeah. that I already owned. Yeah. No, it wasn't anything because I wasn't going to go out and get the riff track of something that I didn't have already. Um, but man, MST3K was in response to all the shitty movies that the cable network, those like local cable television networks and our local TV were putting on late at night. So I think riff tracks is a better way to a better response to all those crappy movies that just go straight to Netflix. You know, it's. It's of its time, so this seems like a little bit of a step back. Yeah, but they're expecting you, the fan who loves it, to yeah buy it and watch it. Hey, and you I remember would. watching this when you were eighteen, when you were a teenager and had no money. Now that you're in your thirties, <laughs> and I maybe still, have some money, still don't have any money. I'm getting married. Uh, maybe you want to spend some money on us. Hey, hey, it's the way uh, of the world. But I would, I would spend the money to watch these. I've, I've. I bought DVDs, MST3K DVDs. I bought a couple riff tracks. Um, I actually find going back and watching old MSTs more enjoyable than riff tracks. Like I like I like the old the old mm-hmm. MSTs. Okay, all of them, like, like the Joel and the um, Mike Mike one. See, I've always been a bigger Mike fan, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I'm the naysayer on this because I don't think this has to happen. I don't think it has to happen. Because they've even had some riff tracks or like cinematic Titanics where they do have those movie rights because they were able to get them for so cheap that you can just pay like the six ninety nine and you get the movie and the riff for it as well. Or or the live riff tracks with which they've done as well. So Yeah, which they they make it more of an event. And they've done the live cinematic Titanics too, like oh. I've seen previews for that. Hmm. I, I I just think there's so much better stuff they could be doing mm-hmm. hey, man. that Mono- requires just like a fraction of that money. Hey, monetary, 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 monetization, monetization of uh, online entertainment is difficult, and sometimes you just got to throw everything at the board to see what sticks. Uh, Amazon.com slash begged and board. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I did uh, not know where you were going with that. Uh, uh, download an audio book, audible.com slash begged and board. Uh, uh, and Paul and I are going to review uh, our next beer. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go into the list. And then, Chris, we'll do another one with you because we have four beers and you have three. And we, okay. Paul and I have both set, set aside a little bit of a sip left to talk mm-hmm. about this beer. Uh, I'm like three-quarters of the way through mine, so I will sip that while you're talking about yours. Uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company's Ohio City and Oatmeal Stout. Um, Going from the OMS from Hamburg to this was like shifting gears without using a clutch. It was a rough 
just a rough change when they're so close to being the same beer. Right. Um, Whereas the other one is smoother, and then you got the roastedness on the back. This one has more of a stout flavor up front, but it's it's gritty. It kind of tastes like Ohio State itself. A little wrong. <laughs> a little, little like something just went a little wrong here. Um, they had a battle with Michigan over Cincinnati, after all, people. No, Toledo. They had a they had a war over the rights to Toledo. I would of all the stouts out there, oatmeal or milk or whatever, I probably would not want to drink this again. It's not a bad beer, no. but there's so much better beers out there. I would drink OMS yeah. over this at any any cost. And this is almost the same percent. It's yeah, 5.4. 5. 5. 4. Um, I don't know. I It just did not hit me as something that really and needs. I really love uh, Great Lakes. Great Lakes uh, Edmund Fitzgerald. It's my favorite porter. It's the porter that I keep on going back to you. One, because it's readily available. Two, because it's a really good, dark, smoky porter. And it's the porter that you gauge other porters against. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is my baseline. So I'm like, oh, another dark beer from um, from Great Lakes. This one's a little newer. This is I haven't seen this on the shelf that many years. Uh, this is their winter seasonal. I think this just this came out this year. It, it might, you know, I it might have been out last year as well. I'm, I'm not sure, but so I'm like, okay, they they really found their footing here. This is a I think this will be a really strong showing. Maybe I built it up a little too much in my head. It's a decent stout. But it's it's just that a decent stout. Yeah. So going from that uh, blah kind of beer, uh, I'm gonna go it's better than blah. It's, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. not. Mm, it's good, but it's nothing. I would never. We can geek. I would never <laughs> need to drink that beer again. Uh, but a book that I keep going back to and back to is coming out November 25th. And this is issue 31 of Saga. This is the three-time best ongoing series Eisner Award-winning book written by Brian K. Vaughn and art by Fiona Staples. And I'm, uh, I love this book. I'm so glad it's taken its hiatus. It's back from it. And I'm glad that I'm going to get another run for 12 issues and enjoy this book. Hmm. Chris? Um, my book is a, another book that I keep going back to, and this is actually a new number one for it because it got Secret Wars. <laughs> uh, and this is Silk Number One, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Stacey Lee. Um, I don't know. Some, I have always considered myself a Spider-Man fan, but I continue to find myself liking the books on the edge of the Spider-Man universe a little bit more. Uh, and Silk's probably at the top of that list, and then uh, Spider Woman, like right after that, but um, yeah, uh, in this n- not re- relaunch but renumeration, uh, we actually have Cindy teaming up with the Black Cat on the kind of more underworld side of things. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. And she's still bad, Black Cat, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you got uh, still kind of on the the darker side of things, trying to track down her family now. Hmm. Paul? I am looking forward to a book with that's getting a new artist. 
uh, an artist that we've all liked over that uh, was doing Hawkeye for a while and also did uh, Black Canary. And uh, that's Annie Wu and with writer Mark Wade. And we're getting Archie number four. So this is a new art- artist on the Archie book that I've been enjoying over at Archie Comics. And this is the relaunch. So we're still wondering what the lipstick instant was that broke Archie up with uh, Betty. And mm. we also got the uh, introduction of Veronica. Have you been come. continuing to buy this? Yeah, I've gotten three. Th- this is the fourth, fourth one. It's, okay. it's been uh, sporadic. Yeah. It's a monthly comic uh, book. It's, it's not marveled. It's yeah. not getting double shipped or anything. But no, it's been good. It's it's been good. It's been fun. I especially liked. Uh, I don't remember if it was an issue two or three, but where Archie knocks down the house. Uh, that I think it's two. Uh, is it with um, is it with Betty on the cover or Jughead? Uh, I honestly okay. I don't. Remember. Jughead's three, Betty's two. So it's uh, it's bad to say this, but now that I buy books digitally, I I don't pay attention to covers anymore. We were talking about that, like back yeah. when we were going to first go to to uh digital like whether or not we would care much about covers because they're just thumbnails that you don't even look at yeah because before like i would go um i'd fill out previews every single week or every month for my weekly books and then sometimes when i'd go to the store books wouldn't have been pulled yet but i knew what i was looking for based off of the cover because i would see that in the uh, solicitation information and now i strictly just look at the titles because it's like okay yeah i need to buy you know, Batman, oh, I'm going to buy Teen Titans, oh, i got to get Wicked and Divine. Even, like, when I'm looking through Comixology at the books that I have to read, and I look at the covers, I'm like, Who's I don't that? know if I've read this one yet, until I open it up and I start flipping through it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this one now. Especially since there's so many, like, same books coming out. You know, they're, like, the same team of characters, so you're, if you're looking at the yeah. cover, you'd be like, wait, is this uncanny, or is this unnatural or is this amazing of that group yeah you know or is this the astonishing wonder woman or the uh you know regular sensational wonder woman is this bombshells wonder woman with the weird 1940s variant cover um some books i've like i i do take that time like saga Mm -hmm. the covers of those yeah they're usually always just like beautiful looking and usually have something to do to tie into that book um, but yeah, no, I feel the same way. Like, I look at, like, Hawkeye or, you know, even, um, I can't think of the book's name now. But, uh, yeah, you look at those and, like, I don't remember if I've read that or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I got some breaking news. Breaking? I don't know how breaking it is. Can somebody give me an old fax machine sound effect right now? You know, because this is coming off hot off the press. <laughs> Looking at previews, Wonder Woman Earth One Volume One, which we've talked about since three years Ever. ago, with uh, talking to Yannick Paquette back in the day, uh, has a release date. Woo-hoo. Yeah, April twelfth, two thousand sixteen. Wow! I thought I missed it. I thought it came out, but no, no it was announced apparently back on the eleventh uh, November tenth. The Jeez. release date. So I was like, "Oh, is it out? Like, did I miss it?" I'm like, "Nope, nope. It's, it's uh, it's expected to arrive arrive after Christmas, as it says on Amazon.com, mm. and it's seventeen dollars and seventy nine cents uh, for the hardcover. So I think I'm going to be adding that to my uh, to my list here. Or I, I will be adding that to mine. 
through Amazon.com slash Bagenboard. There you go. Uh, because I'm very interested to see what Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette do. I'm more interested to see what Yannick Paquette has done with that book. Because since he's been working on that book, he hasn't been doing anything else. <laughs> you know. It's pretty good. True. All right. But uh, what people are doing is that drinking more beer. Is that what we're doing? I don't even know. Are we drinking? No. We do a dramatic reading first. Damn it, Paul. And now, a dramatic reading from Harley Quinn, Christmas Special, Volume 1, page, (coughs) panel 5. I'm trying to get into a... It's all like someone died. Thinking pudding. Hey there, pudding. That's it, babies. Chase down that weenie. And that was a dramatic reading from Harley Quinn, Christmas Special, Volume 1, page something, panel 5. <laughs> I closed the one after I sent it to you guys. I closed the comicsology page. It happens. So... But uh, you know why? You know why that happens? I drink too much on the show. Somebody's really got to stop me. But don't stop me from drinking this beer. But I'm very interested in Chris's beer first. Because I hey. want to savor this a little bit more. Um, this is a beer. It looked familiar, but I wasn't sure if we had actually had it before. And this is from Shipyard. And this is the Little Horror of Hops. No. John? No. Okay. Uh, maybe I just seen the label, or because it's based off of Little Shop of Horrors, it looked familiar. Because uh, the drawing is actually like a hops bud, but it's got teeth, so it kind of looks like Audrey. Um, IPA, it's a little bit more on that buttery hop. I I wish I knew what kind it was. Puts um, that kind of like a little bit, a little bit of sweet, not really like citrus but more resin it gives that buttery taste in the mouth it's okay it's not great i liked it more when i first popped it open and i started drinking it when it was a little bit cooler now that's had a chance to warm up a little bit more i'm just not that big of a fan of it that's Mm. too bad yeah it's like a d-list house dressing from hamburg brewing to Mm. kind of tie it back into what we were talking about earlier I'm going to let Paul go into our beer and talk positively about it. Yeah, this is uh, from Stillwater uh, Artisanal, who I started discovering because they're doing the um, Smut Labs with Smutty Nose. They've been uh, doing a lot of collaborations with Smutty Nose on Smut Lab, and I've enjoyed uh, Spank, which they did, and uh, I'm forgetting another beer that they did together. Uh, Stillwater does come in uh, pretty pricey for their four-packs, and also, uh, you've probably seen them on the shelf. They're usually just a household appliance and then, like, a very simple name. How much are the four-packs? Uh, the four-packs are usually in the $10 range. And since it's a brewery that I'm still not quite deeply into, I'm a little wary to purchase, especially <laughs> since most of their four-packs look, you know, standard, like an IPA. Or That's not too bad, though, for a four-pack. I mean... Ten ten ninety nine for a four pack, though on where I'm gambling. You're, yeah, you're taking a gamble. It's I mean, not it's like, a little bit more than like two bucks a beer. Okay, well we can talk, talk about that. You know, it's 
Right, it's two bucks a beer. What I'm, I'm sorry, here, Paul, no, Paul did not want to talk about that. No, 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 it's two bucks a beer, but that. it's a beer that it isn't like it isn't like an IPA with something, something, this and this and that. It's just their IPA. So it's now, like, well, do I want to, spend... to play devil's advocate though? Right, no, yeah, no. This was good. a beer that you saw out at you know a bar and you ordered a pint, and it was two bucks. Would you? Well, yeah, two bucks at a pint at a bar is a lot cheaper than. Two bucks a bottle, but, but yeah, two bucks a bottle. But what, what yeah, if, if you went to the bar and you paid two bucks and you got one of these, would you be like, "Oh yeah, it was good"? Or yeah, you know, I haven't had the regular stuff. I've only, like I said, enjoy. I've enjoyed what they've had with their smutty nose counter, you know, collaborations. Um, so that's what made me interested in picking this one up because, on contrast to what I was saying about their four packs, this one only comes in single twelve ounce bottles. Or at least that's the only way I could find it. Five ninety nine for a single twelve ounce. For a single twelve ounce, it but, is almost ten percent. Yes, it's ten percent. Yeah, it's nine point something. And it's an imperial chocolate truffle, an imperial chocolate truffle stout, and it's called stuffed with two X yes, and one T. It sounds pretty good. Uh, so yeah, see, it's, it was something that sounded a lot different than what they normally you know. It's not doesn't sound like land, you know, or standard, you know, craft beer fair. And it is brewed with just these ingredients, water, barley, malt, oak flakes, hops, cocoa, truffle, and yeast. And out of those eight ingredients, you get big, old flavors. Um, you get a lot of marshmallow. get a lot of cocoa. I don't really like this beer. Whoa. You can hand it on over, Sarah. I, I, I actually would gladly. Uh, there you go. You don't like it. Tastes like a marshmallow dipped in chocolate. Like if you were at a wedding. I don't get that. You know, I get a artificially truffly flavor. It tastes artificial to me. This is one of those moments where I wish I was there, so I would have to choose a side. You get the I get the deep chocolate in the beginning, and then what you're getting like marshmallow. I'm getting like synthetic, not real flavor. Huh. I'm, it just tastes kind of ugh. Like it. it I, I'm. I like the upfront mm-hmm. chocolateness, and then that aftertaste of the following, which would be that kind of truffle, mm-hmm. I don't like at all. Huh. I'm really enjoying that aftertaste, and I'm thinking just straight up marshmallow on it, and that's what I'm getting. I'm like, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, if I was trying to get like truffle, like the, like uh, like the actual truffle, like you know, marsh or not marshmallow, uh, mushroom. Like, yeah, I, I probably would be like oh that's that's not that at all but chocolate truffle yeah uh truffle yeah shuffle and these yes. are these are the minor times that like <laughs> our our palates yeah. are always everybody's palate is different and you're getting that something i, I also is, spent the six step bucks on this <laughs> so i'm going to be more prone to like it hey i as, spent uh, buyers, i spent 18 on that smoked bell or oh, uh, bourbon beer that i poured out the stone one last week? No, the um, the one from that art, that other artisanal brewery, mm-hmm. the Flying McBaggin or whatever it was. Yeah. Luckily with stone is at least they give you full flavor. You know what you're buying, and it's all that going great. It's the- never too too crazy expensive. Even their vertical series or their weirder off brand offshoot series. They don't charge you an arm and a leg for. They have like this stuffed. Which they is, have I would probably a four pack bomber series right now 
of like two different versions of double arrogant bastard, oak aged mm-hmm. arrogant bastard, and regular o- arrogant bastard. Just like oh, I really wouldn't spend that. And then I saw the price and I go, ooh, that's really yeah. that's not a bad price for these beers. Um, I have to say the stuffed since it's so expensive, I think it is going to be one of those things where. Man, you gotta find it someplace and ask for a sample first. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a lighter step back version of the Southern Tier Creme Brulee. That's what I'm getting off of it because I do get a nice. I get a lot more chocolate. You get more chocolate. You don't get get overpowering sweet. Mm -hmm. But I do get a lot of sweet still, and I really like that vanilla uh, marshmallow flavor at the end. But at the price. I'm we much better served with going like with the chocolate yeti from Great Divide, or yeah. the vanilla coffee yeti from because those yetis those yetis are great or the price you know eight ninety nine for a bomber on these on most of the yetis some of the yetis they get more expensive um, but really not, good not to take anything away from this beer I mean for being almost ten percent smooth mm-hmm. deep dark chocolate there's nothing really wrong with it it just that aftertaste just isn't giving me the same pleasure as it does you. Mm-hmm. I probably, if people are looking for a beer like this... Have you I, had any creme brulee today? I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I have, and maybe that's why I'm getting Maybe. Some, maybe I got a little... You didn't offer me any. We'll save some of that beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's save this, and it, then I think this will pair really nice with the creme brulee. I bet, I bet it would. I think it, it would really well. I have a uh, pomegranate, uh, lemon... Ginger creme brulee and also just the standard vanilla. Mm. Um, but if somebody was talking to me and saying that they were interested in trying or looking for a beer like this, I would say, hey, for the price, you're getting an excellent beer, blah, blah, blah. You know, my friend got a really nice marshmallow off of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was good, but I didn't really love it. I would recommend it to somebody who is seeking out a beer like it. I mm-hmm. wouldn't recommend it for someone just. Hey, I had this great beer. You should try it. You're right. Okay. I understand that. Much like uh, how we would recommend these actors and actresses uh, for their nerd cred. You know, maybe we wouldn't want them starring in a movie, but we think they should be able to get more work. Right? Is yeah, that what you? Is that the gist of this segment? Because this is a Chris uh, baby. This this generally just uh, came from the fact that some of these actors, you know. And you love from certain things, but you, they might not instantly spring to mind when you think about your favorite okay. character actors or like those people that you want to see in something. But they're always there for you. They're, they're the bag and board cast of actors. Um, and this actually all came from I was at work the other well actually it was last week now uh, talking to someone about the show Arrow, mm-hmm. and we started talking about Ray Palmer as the Adam. And just how we liked Brandon Routh. And it was like, oh, he, we liked him as Superman. We liked him in Scott Pilgrim. Is it sad? Every time I hear Brandon Routh, I think of that bass line. But that's kind of, honestly, like where, where this stem from. It's just talking about an actor that's not normally appreciated for what they do, even though they've done a lot for that kind of quote-unquote nerd genre because to use my example and this isn't the one i posed to you guys because this was what started it and then the one i brought to you was what i was actually going to put onto the table 
But Brandon Routh, I mean, he was Superman in the Brian Singer movie. He was X number four in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He's been in um, Dylan, Dylan Dog. Dog, which was actually a lot of fun. It wasn't bad. I, I wish that had become something else, but then he was also in Chuck. Um, yep. A lot of other like stuff here and there, but I've enjoyed him in every single thing he's been in. And to kind of go back to um, Superman Returns, it might not have been the best movie, but I I liked everyone in their roles. And I, th- I think Brandon Roth worked well. Uh, yeah, I've, the thing I've always said about Superman Returns is uh, I thought the computer graphics looked great. Uh, I think the set design was great. And every single person was perfectly cast for their roles, except for Lois Lane. Like, Lois could have, I mean, that actress could have been everyone. But uh, what's his name playing? Perry White, Lex Luthor, like, everybody just fit so well into those roles. In retrospect, Superman Returns watched almost like a Superman comic book read, where it has everything that you want in it, but when you're done with it, you're just like, yeah, it was a Superman movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was like the creepy kid stuff. It, you didn't need the kid stuff, and I would have loved Lex Luthor as a villain, but not a real estate villain. Well, he's it's... They're going after yeah. the the, the Christopher 2. Reeves. 5. Yeah, they're going yeah. after the Christopher Reeves movies, which is you know what Brian Singer wanted to do because he loved those movies. He wasn't yeah. a fan of Superman, but anyways. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's kind of where this all stemmed from. Uh, so, Paul, I will I will pose this over to you for your first pick, and we didn't really talk about how many we have, so I I brought two to the table just in case. I brought two. Uh, I, as you guys know, and as fans of the show, if you're listening still, uh, thank you so much. But keep on listening. <laughs> uh, rate and review us over on the iTunes. Yeah, uh, for my drunk rants and uh, just not knowing any actors or actresses' names ever. Uh, so this was tough for me, and I really had to kind of stretch and kind of think about, oh, what kind of somewhat nerdy movies do I enjoy or things that I enjoy and what actors are in them? that don't really get a lot of screen time or a lot of work. And uh, I kind of fell into the trap of, you know, something that I kind of have a passing kind of obsession with, which is voiceover acting. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I came to one of my favorite uh, animated movies uh, of the last, like, five years, and that's uh, How to Train Your Dragon with Hiccup. Uh, Okay. That's Jay Baruchel. You know, and uh, it seemed like Disney really wanted to go crazy with The Sorcerer's Apprentice and make that like the new Pirates movie, and it just kind of flopped. And maybe that's because of Nick Cage. Or maybe <laughs> no, nothing is ever because of Nick Cage, except for America being great. So. <laughs> okay. Or maybe because Jay Baruchel uh, is really good, you know, in those screen uh, with the Seth Rogans, you know, in those movies as, like, the one of the side characters. Um, maybe he doesn't have the looks of a leading leading male actor. Uh, but I, I enjoy him. I, I think he's a lot of fun. I think he comes off as that kind of everyman, kind of tripping over himself, and then maybe can can find some sort of heroic moment within uh, a movie. And I think he can play that really well. And I think in nerd culture movies, that goes a long way, as being a likable kind of bumbling everyman. And I think Jerry Baruchel can play that off in spades. 
No, it, it's funny that you mentioned Jay Bereshaw, because have you listened to Parks and Rec episode number 10 yet? Mm-hmm. Or not 10, 9. No, I haven't listened to 10 yet either. Okay, um, I actually talk about Jay Bereshaw a little bit, because it's our look um, at the movie Fantasia, and a big part of Fantasia is the Sorcerer's Apprentice sequence, mm-hmm. and that ties into the Nick Cage, Jay Bereshaw movie, and I actually mentioning there how much i really like jay barisha but he didn't cross my line uh for this segment on this show but yeah i i completely agree with you you mentioned chuck and chuck will play a part later on in uh my picks oh mm. he he almost made my one of oh my not him too. oh really but the television show yeah because i you know i'm one guy one girl because we're talking about Zachary Levi. Yeah, Zachary Levi could make the list, and I could understand he, why. He, he almost would. made mine, but he got bumped out for someone else that just has a little bit more extensive um, filmography. Well, Chris, who is that person then? Well, no, because I, I want to... He wants to go last. I, kind of, oh, yeah. I kind of have 2.5 on this list since I was able to talk about... Well, um, I could go three. Brandon Roth. But I, I, want, I want John to go next. All right. Uh, I, I, I did two. These are guys that you're going to go... Oh yeah, they have been in a lot of nerd stuff. Uh, I'm gonna let you guys board at the ready. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna let you guys try to pick him out because I'm just gonna give you a list of some of the things that he's done that are nerdy. I'm not coming. Uh, he's hunted vampires in a current TV show. Has been in Game of Thrones. He's Scott a, Bean. He's appeared in Doctor Who and Sarah Jane Chronicles. Has played the actor playing a former Doctor Who. Has been two has been in two of the Cornetto trilogy movies. He has also appeared in Captain America: The First Avenger, and is in all but one of the Harry Potter movies. Bill Nye? No. Yeah, that's honestly where I was going with it. Uh, it's Deathly Hollows Part One that he's not in. I don't know who is it. This is David Bradley. He played Argus Felch. Oh, I'm looking him up right now because I have. Oh, okay, no, that Paul, guy, Paul, and to kind of tie back into like what I was saying. <laughs> I thought he was oh, a... that guy from that thing. Yeah, I love him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never knew his name. And this is this is that this is that pick. This is that thing that you're like, oh yeah, that guy's in a lot of stuff that I like. Felch, tying it back to Vagnaboard lore, <laughs> is how we got the Felcher. <laughs> For the Vagnamore Christ, uh, Christmas specials. Um, uh, because I'm like, no, it's just the word. Filter. Uh, I started watching um, The Strain just recently. It's up on Hulu. And I want to watch that. He plays your Van Helsing character in that. And I'm watching him like, man, I love this guy. Like... I'm I'm always happy to see this guy in roles, and I mean these movies that I picked are just a small, a small little glimpse of what this guy is in. But he's in a lot more serious stuff. Um, but every time I see him in one of these movies, I'm always happy. And it's really the um, Harry Potter movies that really made mm-hmm. me recognize his face throughout movies. Oh, he's in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. How cool is that? Yeah, he's the he's, the, he's like the hunter, the hunter guy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's great in the strain. I and that's that's my pick. See, the strain is one of those shows that I didn't know I wanted to watch until I saw like a trailer for season two, and I was like, 
oh, what's this? And then I was like, The Strain. I was like, oh, that's been on. And I haven't watched any of it. And I knew I should have because uh, Guillermo del Toro is behind it. Uh, Guillermo del Toro directs like a couple of the episodes created it, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a novel about it before it was a CV series, and I believe he edits every single episode. Like, uh-huh. he is, like, tied into the series, on top of making major motion pictures and doing everything else that he does. He needs to stop so he can do my Haunted Mansion review at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Chris. Wait, wait. Oh. Uh, can I, can I switch ahead. this? Can I put a little spin on your... I know it's your baby, Chris, but... Uh, what kind of role would you want to see him in? Like, I kind of mentioned how I, I kind of want to see Jay Baruchel more in a, you know, that bumbling kind of, but finds this heroic moment, kind of as a side character in movies. Um, David Bradley, is there a role or anything in the nerd world that you would be like, oh, because this this all stems from, like, every time there's a role open, we're like, oh, David Tennant should definitely be that guy. Oh, Nathan Fillion should be that guy. Uh oh. Old Bruce Wayne. <laughs> like no. the beyond of Bruce Wayne? Yeah. No, no, I don't... Um, this is one of those actors, like, I, I can't think of... An, mm-hmm. he's, he's an older guy. Yeah. But whenever he pops up, I'm always... I'm always intrigued of when when he does. Mm-hmm. And in this series, when I saw that he was going to be that Van Helsing character, I was just like, oh, man, this guy's perfect for it. And he's got this kick-ass, like, sword that he keeps whipping out and killing vampires with. And I'm like, man, that guy's old. But he's, I mean, he's... he 1942, he was born. Yeah. So he's what, he's like 71? He's old. <laughs> I'm not doing... I've been drinking. I can't do the <laughs> math. should say right there on IMDb. <laughs> it, it says his birth date. It doesn't say his age. Um, because it wants me to do math, but <laughs> math and drinking is hard. Uh, no, I, cu- I couldn't say exactly. 73. But you were really close. No. Um, no, I, I don't know exactly what I'd want him in, but any time that he's popped up, I'm always happy to see him in those okay. roles. Nice. Chris, your pick? Yes. Um, my pick first came on my radar back on the TV show Suddenly Susan. And then he stuck around afterwards um, because he played Batmanuel oh. on The Tick. But then he's also had roles in Scrubs. Um, Lost was probably like his most notable one as Richard Alpert. Um, and then also, if you're a fan of Kim Possible, he also was the voice of Senior Senior. <laughs> and... and it, even if like all, everything I'm saying is just gobbledygook, uh, you probably saw Dark Knight, and he played the mayor in that. And this is Nestor Carbonell. Wow, that and is a it, name that I would never get. And, and he's one of those people that when you see him in something, you're like, oh, it's that guy. He He's wearing a lot of eyeliner, except he doesn't because those are just his natural eyes. And he's mentioned that in like, any interview he's ever done. Um He's just one of those actors that he has such a presence when he's on screen. It doesn't matter like how small of a role he has. He has some sort of stature in it. And that's why I think having him as uh, like the mayor of Gotham City, you can give him that kind of air of importance, even though like you might only know him from 
Bat-Manuel on Fox's The Tick. He was also in Lost. He mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he played probably like one of the best characters in Lost. Yeah. But but I went a little bit more like, like I, I feel like Lost was kind of exclusive. Like, yeah, it had a broad reach, but it was one of those shows that you might not have watched it just because everyone watched it. Almost like me with the movie Fight Club. Hmm. But yeah, oh, Richard Alpert, amazing on Lost. Like, yeah, he's one of the and, best. At the end characters. of the show, I felt so bad for that guy. Right. Uh, no, but and this, it, but that's what he brings. Like, if you give him the like ability to like flesh out a role, man, he can do it. Yeah, and um, he's he's a constant good actor. And this is one of those. This is the when you pitched this to us, this was like the character that you had mentioned, and I was like, okay, I get it. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what Chris is going for with this, and uh, and then I kind of took my own little spin on it. Uh, which we always do. Anytime anyone brings an idea, we always we <laughs> always much. well because a lot of times it's uh, we don't have an episode. What should we do? And then somebody kind of spitballs something, mm-hmm. and then we all walk away, and then come back with our own little take yeah. on it, which I think makes the show make yeah the show because <laughs> we always have that idea that's going to be like oh crap oh. he's in Bates Motel too <laughs> I haven't watched any of that. Uh, don't forget my favorite part of the show, which is the five. To ten minutes where you guys just shit upon my idea <laughs> <laughs> during the episode and just be like, "Well, it's a Paul baby," which makes it sound like it's an abortion, <laughs> which just means like it was left behind a dumpster at prom. <laughs> 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 I uh, I explained to Caitlin the other day when we were going somewhere. I explained where the Paul baby and John baby stuff all stemmed from, and those hearty slaps on the back. Paul <laughs> <My> baby. <laughs> um. So why don't we talk about our next beer, and then we'll go into our next round. Uh, yes. Yeah. Chris, you want to start off this beer? Uh, I, I will. And this is a beer from the Florida Beer Company. You heard me talk Ooh. about them last week on the show. And I've talked about them before just because this is the brewery that actually does the beers for Universal Studios right down the road from me here in Orlando. And this is their Key West Sunset Ale, and it is an American Amber Ale. Um Wait, I thought uh, we were drinking just stouts tonight. Well, that's what we're doing. Oh, Sorry. that's what you guys are doing. And I actually went to the store trying to find stouts, and there was nothing that I they don't sell them had self. Had. <laughs> they don't well, sell we, them self. The, uh, we don't take kindly to dark beers down here in Florida. It's south of the mix. Uh, what is it? The uh, something Mason Dixie? Dixon line. Mason Dixon line. It's just like there was a. I I didn't go to my actual beer store to get beer. Um, I unfortunately did it as I was just doing my grocery shopping for the week. So it's kind of one of those, like, they had a craft-your-own-six-pack section, but it was a little bit more limited. And I didn't feel like having a Corona or a Landshark or a Sam Adams, whatever. Uh, but I hadn't had this one before. And it's it's an amber ale. Uh, I can't say anything great about it. I can't say anything bad. It, it's a good beer. Um, now, I will look at this through something of the Harry Potter filter. Since they do brew the beers for the Wizarding World, if they had called this something like McGonagall's Hoppy Elixir, I, mu- I might like it a little bit more because it's like, <laughs> oh, it's Harry Potter magic. I love that, guys. Come on. Um, but it's it's a it's a good beer. 
if this was just one of those beers that you see on tap in Bargatory, yeah, like it, it would fit in well. Um, it's an amber. You know, not a lot else to say about it though, unfortunately. Uh, and our final, our final, final beer is a stout that I was looking to do last week, mm-hmm. but and that's what started me off on this. Uh, I picked up the beers this week, so I'm like, oh, well, I definitely I like the 1050. And that's the beer we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, I'm going to just pick up a bunch yeah. of stuff. Uh, this is 1050 from uh, Oscar Blues um, Imperial Stout, 10.5%. It's a big, robust stout. I don't think, like, we're so much different than, I think, normal beer drinkers because we always say, like, oh, you can't feel that 10%. Like, <laughs> But there's other people that take that sip and they're like, oh, my God, like, what are you guys talking about? Um, but this is a beer that goes down really smooth for being a 10.5% per, 10. Oh. beer. <laughs> I picked up a bottle of Jameson that I've been working on uh, for the past... Just sit next to his computer. Four or five months. When I'm editing the show or editing the video stuff that we're putting up on YouTube. But for our board game... So reviews, that's why our shows aren't edited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's it, why he edited the main topic out of the show. Uh 12 years, you know, 12 year aged uh, Jameson Irish whiskey. And I'm like, you know, that goes down really smooth. Like, what is that? Like 30%? No, it's 40%. Yeah. No. You know what? Tolerance. That's what you get from six from, years of podcasting. And, and just enjoying bourbons and, and scotches. Also, I say tolerance, but I know I'm drunk right now. <laughs> and everybody listening knows I'm drunk. Uh, this, If you like stouts, this is a stout that you should have had yeah uh it's like when you pour it it's like just pouring used engine oil out uh it's it's not that thick but yeah it's it's, that color it's just like color dark uh Uh, does to kind of go back because we haven't said this since i've actually been in studio to record does any light escape it (laughs) so you have to hold your beer up to a light and I have halogens in the recording studio, and nope. them suckers are bright. So uh, no light escapes this beer? No, not at all. It gives it a nice little, like, halo. It's like blocking out the sun. It's like an eclipse holding up. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a nice roasted, dark flavor. Smoky, smooth. Um, there's nothing about it that's off-putting. No. Unless you don't like those big, bold, smoky roasted flavors so i don't oscar blues is one of those breweries that i don't think i enjoy and that's why you were going to pick them up is because you're like you know what maybe not only deserve a revisit not only i I think they do deserve a revisit because the only real one that we could get was at uh dale's pale ale Mm -hmm. which you're making yeah that wasn't great no pork belly self is not them oh okay that's a different brewery altogether Um, but Dale's Pale Ale is one of those ones that I think you'd had back before you liked IPAs uh. and then have never had it again. Mm-hmm. And I had it back in the day and enjoyed it, but have never revisited it. And it's always one of those ones like, oh, yeah, I like Dale's Pale Ale, but I don't drink I know it. There's Dale's, there's a local brewery out right our local uh, pub out right now that uh, has it on tap because I was talking to somebody at work. And they're like, oh, yeah, I had it again. And it's the first time I've actually enjoyed it because it's so different off off the tap. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, like, I enjoy the 1050, but... Yeah, but right, like, 
you know, Dale's Pale Ale is something you could always get. But right now they have like an IPA. They have a, they have a one called Piney. I think it's like a, a Pilsner. I'm not sure. And they have a Wait, couple. Wait, they got a, something called a Piney and they haven't been slapped with an injunction. <laughs> All right. Well, it's missing an L, so they don't have to. Oh. Okay, yeah. Uh, because I'm only mentioning that because Great Lakes had Alchemy Hour, which then had to be called Chillwave after they got a injunction. From yeah. And um, I also had had a somebody um, coconut porter from them, which taste it was exactly what we wanted out of a coconut porter mm-hmm. uh, when we, we got that when we got that one from uh, in Florida. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I I think they definitely deserve a revisit, and I don't, and uh, we'll probably be doing them sooner than later. But yeah, ten fifty is one of those ones that I've always been like. Yeah, it's expensive. A six pack mm-hmm. is expensive. Just buying one can is expensive. One can was six dollars and seventy cents. Yeah, plus five cents for deposit plus tax. So I knows? don't. I wouldn't buy it all the time, but every once in a while, if I'm in that really mood for something like this, it always delivers. Yeah. Yeah. You know who always delivers? These actors and actresses that we're there talking about go. here. Um, do you want to round robin it, or do you want to? Start with Paul, go to me, and go back to you. In the same order. This is a Paul, baby. Paul, you're you're in charge of the order of things, right, whether I, it's a draft or a draw or whatever. Well, so well, uh, uh, you pick. We'll end with you again, but we'll start okay. with John. Okay. Uh, so this actor has played Dr. Watson, has voiced dragons and Disney characters. He's appeared in space with Harrison Ford. Has voice acted in video games and played characters in video game movie adaptations. Has been a big bad in a Marvel movie sequel. Who is this actor? I wasn't ready to play a game. Anthony, what's the name of C-3PO? Anthony Daniels. No? No. Not Anthony Uh, Daniels? Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Oh yeah. Uh, ben Kingsley. What when, when he was a dragon? Uh, first night, last night, <laughs> tenth night, twelfth night. Dragonheart, the directed DVD sequels. I never saw any of those. No, you shouldn't have. He shouldn't be in them. <laughs> He's gonna be in the Jungle Book. Uh, Ben Kingsley. For every good movie he does, he's done fifteen crappy movies. He's just a guy that we takes... Should, we should try to get him for a holiday special. Oh, we should. He would do it. <laughs> he does everything. Um, no, but he's one of those guys... Every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, man, he's so great in this movie. Why is he in this movie? Just like, uh, you know, he's been in a space movie with Harrison Ford. He was this little itty-bitty side character in Ender's Game. <laughs> you know, it's like... Come on, man! You you won an Academy Award. Academy Award. Uh, We're playing Gandhi. <laughs> but he's one of those guys that anytime he pops pops up in a movie, you know that that role is going to be good. And he's been in a lot of good nerd cred movies. Uh, he was in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Uh, so oh, like, I haven't seen that in so so long. But I remember like rewatching it after it was on Netflix and being like, "Oh, this is better than I remember it being." <laughs> that guy does not look seventy-one. 
Right? The other guy that you mentioned <laughs> looks 73. Oh, he, he looks 73. Uh, no, Ben Kingsley looks good. He's a great actor, and he pops up in everything. I think he has that um, just kind of scenario where if it's if it's offered to him, he's going to take it because otherwise he might not get any work. Yeah, but I don't think he needs to work anymore. He's been in like a hundred. What yeah. is it? Like, yeah. look under movies. There's like 136 well, the movies the or is, more. He likes it. He likes doing it. I think he just likes to act. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he just takes 128 everything. movies, uh, movie credits. Um, and he's going to be in a bunch more coming up. Yeah. So he's also that character, like when he was announced that he was going to be, um, oh, what's his name in Iron Man? Uh, the Mandarin. The Mandarin. I was like, yes, it's a perfect cast. And the way they, you know, they did that character with him playing that bumbling fool, it was even better than what I had expected. I was excited because I saw he had a credit for Full House TV series. <laughs> It's not uh, that full house. It's not that full house. It was dated uh, January 13th, 1973. And I'm like, nope. Definitely the British television series Full House, which is not our full house. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just an actor with crazy intensity. He's done lots of nerd things. Uh, and he's someone who I hope will pop up in more nerd things. This guy, there should be a campaign for him to be in a Star Wars movie. He'd only make he it better. To. He'd only make it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Ben Kingsley. It was in Blood Rain. Exactly. He was, he was in Blood Rain. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in so many bad movies. I tr- Okay, I tried to watch Blood Rain. I couldn't even do it. It was just so bad. Dude is in Schindler's List. I enjoy the video game Blood Rain. I'll admit it. I enjoy Blood Rain and Blood Rain 2. I like the uh, Blood Rain Betrayal, the like almost Flash one. Uh, I enjoy those games. But man, that movie. And it had like three sequels, the directed DVD. Like. 132 films. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, he's in The Jungle Book. Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. It was in Fable 3, the vi- video game. Uh which is always interesting King whenever Tuck you get miniseries. People, whenever you get somebody doing video game work, it's always fun, I think. Night at the Museum. Which? Robot Overlords, a ripoff of Transformers. No, no, no. Totally different. And Robot Overlords, the robots have conquered the Earth, and now there's a small rebellion of, of humans that are working against the air titular robot overlords completely different box trolls ender's game iron man 3 the physician but the dictator with uh what's what's his name from uh uh Uh, yes sasha baron cohen prince of persia he was the bad uncle yeah prince of persia video game made into a movie interesting was actually thinking like I like Prince of Persia. I saw that twice in theaters, and I wouldn't mind seeing it again. It was a I, I fun enjoyed movie. It. I, I okay. kind of was surprised that they didn't make any more. I thought it was good. I think it was just one of those cases of where it cost so much to make, and they just didn't get enough of a return off of it. But mm-hmm. like, I was thinking about that last week, where I was like, I, I wouldn't mind watching that. I wouldn't mind buying it for like five bucks at Target. Hey, he was the vice president in Dave. And, and was in the movie Species. 
Oh, I the only thing I remember about species is Natasha Hentrich's boobs. He was in a movie called Slipstream where he played an avatar. Oh, Paul, you love avatars. Oh. You could, um, I don't want to bring this up, but if they did like another last Airbender movie, I could see him as being like an avatar or something. Yeah, like live action style. Yeah. He's good in anything he does. Put that guy in more things. <laughs> All right, Chris. Oh no, Paul. What's your pick? Paul's got to go. All, All right, last. I'm going to go pick this. Gil got it. No, that's right here. Did you guys hear that? Nope. Ivan no. Strahovski. Ivan <laughs> Strahovski. Ivan. Because Paul wants to have her pick, but he has no idea how to say her name. No, I thought it would be fun. Ivan Strahovski. She was the uh, lead. The female. bad guy in Rocky Two. No, no. Uh, she's the Hans uh, Gruber's sister. <laughs> She's she's the main love interest uh, in Chuck, uh, oh. which I really enjoy. So here's your Chuck reference. Um, trying to find. I don't her. think I've ever seen Chuck. It's fun. It's, it's, it's actually really good. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. But she it's 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 very fun, very tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. But uh, so she played Sarah Walker in Chuck. But more interestingly enough, she, she was in I Frankenstein. She was in I Frankenstein, and she also. Uh, was the voice of Miranda Lawson in uh, one of the best video game series of all time, Mass Effect. It's a, it's a Mass Effect yeah. reference. Yeah. Uh, been, I, I should have, I should have placed the bet, like the over-under, on one of Paul's people being in Mass Effect. She also did the voice work for uh, Kathy Kane in Batwoman, or Batwoman in Batman uh, Blood, Bad Blood. Well, she's in uh, Princess Rap Battles. Yes, she plays... Uh, Daenerys, who is the princess from Game of Thrones? She's in Dexter. She's a Khaleesi. She is the not Khaleesi, a princess. Yeah. Oh, okay. Been princess for Rapids. Oh, uh, she was in Twenty Four, Dexter, Louis. Yeah, she's been in a lot of kind of uh, small niche television series and fun stuff. She had a leading role in The Canyon, but she's what's The Canyon? I don't know. It's a horror movie of some sort. Is it? She's a very attra- very attractive, and she also can do her own like battling and stunts, which was a lot of fun to see in uh in Chuck. I almost said Psych. Psych's um, <laughs> really good too, though. You know, I was surprised that her name wasn't thrown in the ring when they were talking about uh, casting Captain Marvel, because I think she could pull that off really well. I think she'd do a good job. Uh, she, I, I could see that. She's uh, Polish, but man, she speaks with a she speaks with a British accent like nobody's nobody else can. Like, it's awesome. And also, in during Chuck, she pulls off the American accent. Um, so she's multi-talented, and she's... Multilingual. Uh, multilingual, multi-talented. <laughs> she's action-y. She's actress-y. She's pretty-deedly. <laughs> and uh, she's, she's a good... Paul, Paul a also good, likes the fact that he could probably romance her in Mass Effect. Yes. <laughs> It's one of the reasons. And uh, she's only 33 years old, so I think... Uh, hey, I'm 33. I think she... That <laughs> so her, she's accessible? <laughs> no, I think that leaves I, her... I felt like I was going into Dan Dio there. Uh, she's accessible? I think uh, that leaves her open that she's in that uh, prime age for these great comic book movie characters to become, you know, movies coming out. I, I think that... I think her name should definitely be tossed into the ring with any of these strong female leads. Um, Black Canary, like, 
anything that you want to throw at her, I think she could probably pull uh, she'd off. She'd probably be a better Black Canary than what we're getting on the show. Well, I'm talking I about movie. I still don't like no. Black Canary. Mm-hmm. I'm talking Even though the show's gotten like so much better. I know. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't I Frankenstein, and that movie was horrible. But she was also in Chuck, which was... Pretty good for the first like four I, seasons. I don't know if I saw I Frankenstein. Which one was that? No, it's the one with uh, Aaron Eckhart who plays Frankenstein, who's the most attractive Frankenstein in the world. Okay, I'm thinking about the Van Helsing Frankenstein then. So never mind. Um, the, the do you know in uh, if you think back to the Underworld movies, the big uh, the big black guy that t- talks like the devil. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like one of the, like the writers of the movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, he wrote all of them. He wrote uh, he wrote um, I Frankenstein too. He also wrote the comic book, which he published himself to then say that it was like a comic book movie. <laughs> Dedication. Like I can't remember his name. Like Kevin uh, Griviox. Kevin Grivo. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like. He seems just like a cool guy. He does seem like a cool of, guy. Like, what he likes and like what he does for a living. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like the devil when he talks, but you know, I just think Yavin Skarnowski. I'm just taking it right back. <laughs> she she's like the you know uh, a lot of people throw out uh, Starbucks name or a lot of times, and I think that mm-hmm. she, she could go toe to toe with uh, the girl that played the woman that played Starbucks. I would say she's probably a better pick for Carol Danvers. Yeah. I, I think I'd like her as that. Mm-hmm. Did you know that um, she was Carol Danvers was supposed to appear in um, Jessica Jones? She was supposed to have really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, if you see that, uh, being... I'm making a lot of noise over here. I'm <laughs> I feeling drunk. Drunk. is a cast for anything. Uh, you know that she might. Uh, very action-y. My uh, point five pick was uh, Liz Kaplan. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Uh, Liz Kaplan was that the girl from Torchwood? Uh, no, uh, from Cloverfield. The interview. She was the one that was uh, honey potting. The guys, you know, she was wearing the gla- she wasn't wearing the glasses, and then she was wearing the glasses. I, I'm sorry, I have to actually look her up because um, she's going to be in Now You See Me Too. Uh, that's what made Did me they think make of her. A sequel to that? Yes. Oh, she played she was, uh, uh, Julia. She was in mean Girls. Yes, and she was also Julia in uh, New Girl. You know, the boyfriend in the first season, the boyfriend or the girlfriend I, of. Uh, I haven't watched that in forever, but uh, yeah, all you need character. to say was the uh, Lebanese girl from Mean Girls. That would have been right there. Well, she's been in lots of things. I think she was in. Um, she's in that Showtime. Show about sex. Yeah, Masters of Sex on Showtime. And then uh, she was also... She was also in the movie you just saw the night before. I know. Um, and she was also in... Um, wasn't she also in True Blood? Uh, maybe. Yes, she was in True Blood. I'm on her Wikipedia. That's why I know I wouldn't know this. But uh, she yeah, was, I'm on IMDb right now. She was that's... also in um, the Marvel one-shot item 47. So she's done some nerdy things. Uh, but now you see me. I really enjoyed the first movie. I saw the. Yeah, credits. it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't good. realize they were doing a sequel to it. Yeah, I saw the trailer just uh, came out this week, and I saw that, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's that girl. This is exactly what Chris is talking about. <clears throat> she, yeah, she was also in Smallville. Really? And Freaks and Geeks, yeah. Hot tub. She was in two episodes of Smallville. Oh man, who did she play in Smallville? Uh, Tina Greer, in the episodes X-ray and Visage. So she was a recurring character for two. 
Shape-shifting teenager who robs a bank. Okay. Oh, it sounds like every episode of Smallville. Hence why she was in X-Ray, because that's when Clark gets his X-Ray, his X-ray vision. His X-Ray vision. So that way he could I tell. That stuff. <laughs> Smallville was terrible with naming stuff. Yeah, it was pretty bad. She's in 124 hours with... Uh... Mm-hmm. No, I think she's great. I think she's a lot of fun. She can pull off comedy really well. She was in. She the was league. in Party Down with, um, what's his name from Parks and Rec. So if I was Why? going to cast yeah. her in something, it would be something of the more jokey kind of characters. You know, something like with the Ant-Man. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Yeah. You can see her, Squirrel Girl. And she's also thirty-three years old. Hey, I'm thirty-three. <laughs> Paul's starting up the thirty-three club. I'm older than both those women. Take that, women. <laughs> Chris. Last dealings. This is your show. This hey, is your it's episode. my show. Um, take us out. I, I will take us out with someone that's been in basically any video game or cartoon <clears throat> that you can name. He has had a role in it. Oh, and North. you've probably seen his name in the credits. But if you want to put a face to that name, he played the delivery guy on Mad TV. And this is Phil Lamar. Because <laughs> he's one of those voice actors that you will see his name in literally like anything that you watch. Like I don't think the recording studios even have him on speed dial. He probably just like walks in there and he's like, oh, what do you guys need done today? Because he plays it all. He uh, Most notably for us, he was Green Lantern on mm. Justice League. Yeah. Uh, but he's also been um, literally on his IMDb right now, and Mortal he's Kombat X. played like 50 characters in Ultimate Spider-Man, like five characters in Marvel's Avengers Assemble. He was in Turbo, BoJack Horseman. He was in The Millers, the movie that came out like two years ago. Uh, he's played like three characters on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman Unlimited. Mortal Kombat, Star Wars Rebels, he plays Bail Organa. He plays Dramu in Hulk and Agents of Smash. Uh, he plays Hermes on Futurama. Did he's he, in Ben 10. He was Hulk Kit Fisto. Did you talk Clone about, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, he's got a lot for uh, Star Wars uh, Command, or Clone Wars. American Dad, <clears throat> Castle, he's been, oh my god. Young Justice, he played Aquaman. <laughs> Palm uh, Puppies, Scooby-Doo, if this Adventure Time, Futurama. If that doesn't mean anything to you, he's the guy that gets his head shot off in the back of the car of Pulp Fiction. Hmm. <laughs> he was in that, too. You uh, know what he's missing? Tom and Jerry, Beverly Hills, Chihuahua 3, because everyone saw that. Darksiders 2, he's done voices for Tonight Show, Avengers, Scooby-Doo, Diablo 3, he was Leoric. Hey guys, he was in the Napoleon Dynamite cartoon. What I like is he was in Injustice God's Among Us as Aquaman, but then the Jon Stewart DLC skin. <laughs> he's also just been in stuff as voice. So he's that person that's in the background that's like, uh, oh? Literally, like, I've been scrolling and I'm only on 2011 where he's still There it is. There's some Mass Effect. There's a Mass Effect reference. He was Who Mouse. was he in Mass Effect? He was Mouse in Mass Effect 2. Uh, Pee Wee Herman show on Broadway, he was Cowboy Curtis. <laughs> I, I think he, Phil Lamar is the ultimate unsung hero oh, of yeah. anything and everything that you love. Uh, he was Black Panther, Colossus, Moot Knight, and also Uwantu, the Watcher. 
uh, Marvel. He was Remy LeBeau in Wolverine and the X-Men. <laughs> they didn't even get, like, a, a Cajun guy. <laughs> he was in Hoodwinked? Don't Curious know. George? Madagascar, the video game, and the movie. Freshman. Oh, there's Mass Effect Iron Man 2. He did additional War Machine dialogue. <laughs> he, he's All that he additional says, War Machine dialogue. We better get to that. You know what this uh, is missing right now, guys? War Machine dialogue. Uh, he's like all the characters in Afro Samurai. Uh, Paul, he was also in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Oh, that's who? As who? Uh, um, Wilt, Jackie Cones, oh, The Installer. Wilt, Wilt is my favorite. Like dot, dot, dot. He was in 71 episodes. Well, Wilt is one of the main characters. Uh, Paul, he was yes. the Earth King. Oh, he was a basketball guy. In Avatar The Last Airbender. What? Wait, well, who was he? Just he was sense. the Earth King. Yeah, he was Earth King. Oh, the one with the bear. Yep. What kind of bear? Like a badger bear? Robot Chicken, Emperor's New School, oh, so he was in... Uh, that joke fell flat, apparently. Yep. Shrek. Oh, no, I got it. Well, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, he's the pharmacist. Oh. Aren't you, know you sick awesome? of all these blacks? <laughs> Harvey Birdman. The name of this episode is Magnum Artcast. We read Wikipedia to you. <laughs> we read IMDb hey, hey. to you. I mainly use IMDb for all my... <laughs> my movie news. <laughs> He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Lamar. Yeah, good. Seriously, like everything. Yeah. Awesome. VO work, man. It's always awesome to see uh, how these people can totally transform themselves into every character that you've ever loved. He was in Kangaroo Jack, the sequel movie. As the kangaroo. Also, the uh, video game Fifty Cent Bulletproof. Oh, not Blood on the Sand though. So no, but he was also in Jack X. Uh, he was Samurai Jack in the Samurai Jack series. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, though, so... He says something. Knights of the Old Republic, Paul? Mm-hmm. God. Oh, he was in Spider-Man 2, but he was uncredited. Well, I mean, his his work speaks for itself. Knights of the Old Republic 2. Mm-hmm. Doom? Uh, he was Static in Static Shock. Spider-Man 2, he played a person on a train. A person... On a a person. All right. Well, it's been two hours, guys, of uh, recording. Wow. So that, I thought so this was going to be a episode. short episode. Nope. Yeah, me too. So Lamar wins. Hey, he was Axel Foley in Clerks. There it is. <laughs> Wonderful. Phil Lamar wins. He was in everything. He was, I'm still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're only in like 2,000. That's fine. This is going. like the first thing he has listed on his IMDb page. He was in the 1983 Mr. T cartoon. Uh, he was in Wings. That's all that matters. And Murphy Brown. There you go. What would you want him to? Pl- who do you want him to be now, though? Like, what geek role would you want to see, or what archetype geek role would you want to see him in? He can just play anybody. It doesn't matter. Okay. He already has. He's yeah. played everyone. Everyone. But you don't know who he is. He's actually but- me right now on the Bank Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know this, but, you know, he's just doing the voiceover acting right now. He's doing... He's an when, amazing When Paul, Paul. drinks too much, we, we call Phil <laughs> Byron. Yep. Paul's actually in the other room laying down. Just working off that buzz. 
Wait a and second. hey, if if you want to lay something down for us too, make sure you rate and review us over on the iTunes. Nice, nice segue. You can always comment on any of the stories that we post. Uh, sometimes we post uh, what we're going to be talking about in the Week in Geek right on our Facebook page. And if you have a news story that you're like, oh, I hope the Vagnamore boys uh, blast this on the podcast. Oh, we're blasting it all. Oh, over we blast it all. I wanted to keep on going with the B alliteration. Uh, <laughs> we stop that for you right yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, post it over on our Facebook page if there's any news that you want to talk, us to talk about during the Week in Geek, because we'll talk about it. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course, and you can email us at contactatbangboardcast.com or individually at chrisjohnerpalm at bangboardcast.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, follow us on everything. Yeah. Why not? And Christmas is coming up. Don't forget that Amazon link. Oh, yeah, yeah Amazon.com slash bag board. Buy stuff. Help us out. Yep. <laughs>